Hey guys, Virginia here. I would like to welcome you to the CoLab, the Central Ontario Laboratory. We are here to educate, inspire, and activate. Welcome to the CoLab. Hey there, I'm Virginia. This is the hair that lives on top, and today we've got a very special guest. Today we are starting our three-part series on VR. And I'm Jamie Doran. I'm the Executive Director of Research Innovation Entrepreneurship here at Georgian College. I'm coming to you from virtual reality today because this is the first of our three-part series on VR. And we have a really special guest, as we said. Well, I should take this off so I can actually see you. So we have a really special guest. Her name is Isabel Deschamps, and she is a principal investigator on a research project that we've got going about VR. And we're going to learn about that. But first, we're going to learn about Isabel. So hi, Isabel. Um, introduce yourself and tell our audience who you are and what you do. Hi, so I'm Isabel, and I've been teaching at the Aurelia campus since 2017 in the Human Services. I teach in early childhood education um, and general education, and, and I teach a lot of the research courses, which is um, one of my passion. Before coming to Georgian, um, I completed a postdoctoral fellowship um, in Quebec at Laval University, um, looking at how the aging brain um, changes um, as we go through our or different um, life stages in order to understand language development and how we can actually support, for example, um, decline in language abilities in older adults. Um, and then I had a switch of heart and I decided that teaching was a passion of mine and it's not something that I could fully um, explore in my postdoc or at university. So I came to Georgian and I started teaching and I have been here ever since. Um, at Georgia and I have the possibility to actually combine my two passions which are teaching and doing research. I've done um, so far two independent uh, research projects um, at Georgian looking at how we can support students. So the first one um, started in 2019 and it was looking at how we can support international and domestic students that start in their first year of college. Um, so it actually looked at what are the factors or the barriers that um, these student population face and what we can do as a college to support them. Um, what was amazing is that despite the fact that COVID um, put a halt to the data collection, uh, we were able to still collect enough data to see that while students, first year students do share similar um, struggles and barriers, um, they're not equally shared, meaning that, for instance, for domestic students, one of the biggest barriers is balancing their academic life and their personal life. Mm -hmm. But for domestic students, it was more um, about finances and having access to public transportation or knowing where to go when you're new um, to Canada. And um, especially when we're thinking about the different campuses, some of them are in smaller communities, so it's a little bit harder for them to learn to navigate um, around. The second one um, actually um, was built based on COVID. So when we shifted to remote learning online, one of the things that I noticed as faculty is that some students that were doing very well in the classroom, when we shifted online, things didn't go as right. smoothly as so possible. You didn't have the skills to switch to online? And it's, it, it was hard for them, but what's amazing is when we think about the self-regulatory skills, the learning skills in the classroom and outside the classroom, they are similar, but they're not used to the same extent. And sometimes I think the translation between time management in class and time management at home is not exactly the same. Right. Um, mm. So what we did is we ran an online study and we looked at how students um, scored on different um, self-regulation 
learning skills and we also measure because mental health is also a huge um, part um, of today's society so we measured uh, levels of depression anxiety and stress in our student population to see if we could find correlation between um, the ability to use self-regulatory skills and how stress or how um, depressed students um, were feeling at the time so it was a very inclusive study from that perspective and um, what was amazing is we also asked students what are we doing as a college that's helping you with these skills and what are right. we help mm -hmm. what are we doing that's actually not really helping in your opinion so um, we had both quantitative and qualitative data which is really exciting because we have numbers mm -hmm. but we can explain the numbers so we can say well okay they're scoring really low on this facet of self-regulation with regards to learning skills but we know why we're not supporting it this way in the classroom mm -hmm. um, so we're still looking at the data right now because there's lots of data, but it's really interesting because it actually can tell us, okay, well, these are some of the strategies that we might as faculty, but also as a college um, focus on to help students navigate this remote learning. Mm -hmm. And remote learning is going to be a bigger component of education going forward, right? And so these kinds of strategies could be helping our students in the future. Did you find did you find that teaching remotely yourself? What did you find the changes for you were like when you went to switch to teaching? The connection that you make with students. So I'm a firm believer that um, learning is a shared experience. So I learn from students as much as they learn from me, mm -hmm. but doing it online on a video where most of the time um, there's. I can see myself, but there's not everybody feels comfortable opening their um, video. So you right. see black screen, so it makes it very hard from a personal or human perspective to make a connection where all you see is black screens. And um, also when you are teaching and you can look at the class and see, okay, well, I just lost the student, right? They look completely lost. I have to backtrack. On, when you're learning remotely on a computer, if there's no screen and they're not sharing in the text message or yeah. um, like the chat box, not text mm -hmm. message, but chat box, it's very hard to gauge, okay, are they still following me or have I lost half the class? So for me, that's one of the that's biggest challenging and also being able to sit with them before class or after class and then, you know, sharing experiences or them telling me well okay you know what i really had a hard time last week mm -hmm. um can we go over mm -hmm. some stuff of course um, but it's harder when we are i've i've had i've had that feeling of being in the room of black screen and just screen names yeah, like and is somebody, anyone listening to me and <laughs> I, I i found one teacher who had a really great idea she got all of her students to put a um a thumbnail image of themselves and so that at least she would be seeing their faces. Oh yeah. So it gives. She's like, I just want to have that little bit more human connection that I can get, even if it's just you changing one thing about your black screen, turning it into your face instead. So a lot of the students in her class, they all they all did it. So when I went in to do a workshop, I could see all of the students' faces because even though their cameras were off, I could still see who was there. Yeah. And that sort of made me feel a little bit better, I guess, about teaching online. I think it's a great idea for me what has happened because I teach out of my office sometimes and I'll have a cat that jumps in and they'll see it and I'll <laughs> yes. be like, okay, like, oh, yeah, okay. You're human. You're human. <laughs> Your office is not, you know, it's not perfect. Life is not perfect. So yeah. some of them will actually yes. turn their camera after and they're like, well, you know, don't mind the mess of the back. And I'm thinking, you know, I'm just happy to see faces. Yeah, just happy yeah. to see somebody there. Yeah. So um, 
You know, over during the COVID lockdown and such, um, and over the last year, we have been experimenting at Georgian with a bunch of different virtual technologies. So we have a grant that we got that's, that's from uh, Future Skills Centre Canada. And that grant is, is about the digital transformation strategy that Georgian College is implementing. So I mentioned at the beginning that Isabel is our principal investigator for this cool grant. It has three pilot projects in it. And we're going to tell, talk to you mostly about pilot to number two today because it's, it's about VR and teaching neural anatomy in VR. Oh, but, that's so cool. Yeah. So, but we also experimented you know, with other ways of connecting remotely with um, students and other staff. And we use this thing called what we call the iLearn Campus, which is a Verbella virtual campus. It's like a video game where you got a character running around in there. So it's on a screen, a flat screen, but you know, it, it did help us solve one of the problems that you were talking about, Isabel, where you're saying like, you know, you, you don't have connection to your students because they're just on a screen. But when you're in this virtual campus, you're running around and we each have avatars and we can see each other. I had a moment in there when we had a big group of people in one area and I started seeing people who I hadn't seen in a really long time and I sort of started running my avatar over them and like hey oh my god it's so good to see you <laughs> yeah. and then realizing oh my goodness and then we had to try and decide on a place to sit down and when we were trying to sit down I was like I want to sit with my friends like I want to sit at a table with my friends yeah. so I could see all my friends faces. Well, let's edit some video in there of, a, of our iLearn experiences. You can watch some of this stuff. Here's a you know, video of us running around and, and of the campus, and there's some forest areas. Yeah, we had, yes. Virginia and I had our birthday party in the virtual world. It was good. It was better than a birthday party in the real world because you could kind of eat the cake and it had zero calories. <laughs> so it was fantastic. But I did say we were going to talk about this um, because this is part one of our series on virtual reality. And we want to talk about um, what's what we call pilot two. But really, it's it's a study of um, let me say if I get it right here, Isabel, you can correct me. But it's the it's about the efficacy of using 3D immersive VR to teach neural anatomy because that's kind of you know neural anatomy is so easy to learn but um you know we figured could we make it even easier if you had if you learned it in vr so uh isabel tell us a little bit about that project um of course and i'm sure students are going to be really happy to hear that neural anatomy is easy to oh, learn it's yeah. <laughs> simple um, <laughs> it's just the brain and then a whole bunch of things that come down from the brain like how hard could that be um, so what's cool about this project is having taught um, neuroanatomy before at university, one of the struggles that students have is to understand how the brain is, right? So unless you have um, access to a real brain where you can see and do some dissection, it's very hard sometimes to explain how structures work together um, or how things are connected and things like that. So this pilot, um, what we're using is a software called 3D Organon and it has the entire um, neural system. So we're focusing on neuroanatomy um, to begin with, but what students are doing is um, we created actually a virtual lab for this pilot. Okay, wait a sec, virtual lab, what does that mean? It means that we have a shell on our learning system for students, so Blackboard, mm -hmm. where we um, embedded not only the course content from um, the two um, courses that we're targeting right now in health and wellness, which are anatomy and physiology. Right. And we have created um, for research participants 
um, a step-by-step -step, um, instructions on some of the things that they can do with the immersive VR. So how to use the VR headsets, um, what are some of the structures, for example, that they could be um, looking at and how to look at them. Because for some people that are new to VR, like um, myself, the first time you're using it, it's not always um, easy to figure out, okay, well, how do I rotate the brain? Can I take this part out? How do I put it back? Yeah, right? So you don't have a bunch of like parts all around. Um, and what's great is we also have created on the virtual lab so students can document their experience when they're trying on the different modules. So one is on the, like if it's on the cerebellum, um, they can document how they, you know, how much time they spent. And we also included like um, pre and post measures so we can see if there's a benefit to using um, immersive reality in learning neuroanatomy. So students oh, can self-diagnose before they start the module to see, you know, how good I'm am I really at neuroanatomy? Then they engage with the activities and it's directly related to the course content. And then there's a post test where they can see well how well they do after engaging. Oh, cool. Um, and we're also measuring how, how well they engage with the um, technology, but how are they likely to keep on engaging? Because if it's something that's frustrating, then we know students are not gonna be like, why I want to spend you know x amount of time more on stuff that's yeah, not going to exactly. work. Exactly. If the process of doing the thing yes. is too hard to learn the thing, then what is the point of trying to do it in the first place? But it sounds like you've got something pretty interesting going on. So here I, I just put my headset back on, and I'm in the 3D Organon program, and I got this body right here in front of me, and. I'm able to kind of see it in three dimensions. It feels like it's right in front of me. And I'm able to control some, some of the layers on, on the body, right? So I can get right down to just seeing um, the neural system. And I got the skeleton here. And so this is really, really wild. It's like I can see everywhere the each of the nerves are going. It's, it's so you know, why would a view like this that's so, you know, immersive, I can feel like it's right in front of me. Why do you think this is going to help teach neural anatomy? So um, from my perspective, um, what I thought was very interesting um, when I learned about this project is the concept of embodied cognition. Embodied cognition? Yes. So what, what is that? It's a fancy term to say that when we experience things, when we have um, sensory experiences and motor experiences tied to the learning, mm -hmm. these um, things that we're learning are going to stay better. So mm. if you're able to, um, for example, move around um, yeah. the skeleton, um, push things away from the skeleton to see some structures better, then you have more um, sensory information and motor information than if you're just looking at an atlas, right, where you're reading oh, yeah. and mm -hmm. um, just kind of looking at a 2D image. Yeah. So because of that, we know that the there's more chances that the brain will actually um, remember this information. So the concept of embodied cognition has been around for a very long time, and it's usually tied to language. So how we learn language, we learn it from speaking it, right? Right. right. Um, yeah. And things like that. And there's motor representation of how we speak. So it's kind of the same idea, but applied to um, the field of virtual reality, which is one of the advantage that virtual uh, reality has over other um, methods of teaching is that you can actually target some of the mechanisms involved in embodied cognition. Right. Um, on top of being also um, 
a medium that students in, um, really enjoy, right? So um, younger students, younger generations, they're very comfortable with technology. Oh, yeah, um, it's, it's, it's awesome, awesome in here. here. I'm not young, but I, I love it in here. It's, it's great. You should did the whole video or, or whole interview in here. It's because they're more motivated. So that's also an important component in learning is that if students are motivated yeah. um, to engage with the content, it's going to stay better than if they're not right and if we think about anatomy some of us might be thinking okay well it's kind of a dry subject but it can actually be very fun and very engaging mm -hmm. but it's one thing that vr allows us to do is to actually um, augment the motivation that students feel towards um, experiencing and engaging with the course content do you have any feedback from the students on it yet um no we just started um data collection at this point um, but I tried it and uh, for the first time and one of the things that I really thought was amazing is um, it's it's more fun right <laughs> it's more fun it sure is more fun and then some of the things like for me when I was teaching it so for um, there's like a bone the hyoid bone it's very hard to describe where it's located but on a 3D skeleton it's very easy and then you can make yeah, sure that right they're right in it they're, they're seeing it um, and they can see how um, like different muscles are attached to different structures so it's much easier I think to explain. I think, I think that's, that it would be really helpful like just being able to physically see it yeah. and mm -hmm. Touch it. Uh, like a bonus is that sh you don't have to get the gross body part <laughs> to it you can just get the like VR part and see the whole thing without actually having to see the whole the whole body. <laughs> yeah I'm glad you brought that up Virginia because you know I tried it and if, way back when, I don't even remember what year that was, in the 90s, I, I took anatomy when I was in school and we dissected all kinds of stuff. And you know, you have to kind of take everything apart carefully and see all the different um, you know, veins and muscles yeah. and then you get down to the nerves and, and all that kind of stuff. But you get a sense of where everything is by doing that, but it was disgusting. And, and <laughs> you're supposed to like then do a, an exam to see where everything is, but really hard to get a full picture in your head because it it, it does kind of get taken apart in a weird way and it's really hard to get a full view of what the whole say neural system looks like sure. but second I went into in 3d organon and then you click all these buttons here and it can take away the different layers and suddenly I'm down to just the neural system you can actually get rid of the skeleton so all that's left there is just the brain and, and the nervous system and you know so then suddenly it just clicked I was like oh the brain is just like a giant octopus that's just <laughs> <laughs> attached to every one and part of our bodies here. So it was really, really cool. Like just suddenly I was like, oh man, yes, I get it. It's like so cool. So I, I'm hoping that other students and uh, are going to get that kind of epiphany and not just with neural anatomy, like that's a good place to start, but other parts too, right? And, and other su subjects too. And I think what's great with 3D Argonon is because you have the whole skeleton, like it's not just restricted to neuroanatomy, is that it's actually useful for different programs, right? Um, even not just like health and wellness programs, but maybe other programs that, you know, want to talk about a specific aspect. Um, like I'm thinking communication science and disorder um, system, mm -hmm. they can maybe want to talk about, well, where is Broca's area? Well, here, let me show you on the brain, where yeah. is Broca's area? And we can look cool. like at different language model and you know how things are connected so I think it's great for um, a variety of programs which makes it um, more usable at the college it's not just specific to 
one right. program. Um, I can tell you from the non-immersive, um, so 3D Argonon also comes as a desktop application. And the feedback that we have had from students um, is that it's fantastic even on the desktop because while it's not immersive like the headset um, is, um, the information that's available and the possibility of still moving things around mm -hmm. um, is very helpful for the learning. So they're using it sometimes on their own. Oh, cool. That's good. Just to supplement their own learning. Yeah. Yeah, if you had a quick question in your mind, you'd be like, wait a second, how did that work again? And you quickly turn it on and yeah. do a little exploration. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. So we recently, um, uh, we went on a little bit of a field trip to uh, Montreal to see an exhibit called The Infinite. And the reason we did was because it is a different kind of virtual experience. Normally when you, you, know, you use your VR headset, you put it on and then you've got this bubble around you and if you leave the bubble, you leave the virtual experience. And you know, we were wondering, you know, we heard about this thing in Montreal and a really cool exhibit where you put the headset on then you can walk around in this room that is the size of almost like a gymnasium. So there, there's, there are boundaries like that when you put it on, suddenly you're floating in space. So Isabel, um, I'm curious to know, you know, when you did that experience, did you have any thoughts about you know, how we might use a, a simulation like that in a teaching environment? I, w I think it would be, it would be great um, because you could actually take students on field trips, right? You can take them places. Yeah. Um, and I know then this would even broaden the scope even more because we were talking about a very specific program, 3D Organon, that's related to anatomy, but VR can do so much more. Yeah. So when we're thinking about human services, um, early childhood education, being able to you know, take students on a field trip and say, well, these are some of the things you have to prepare for when you're taking children um, in the field, mm -hmm. I think would be great. So I think it broadens the scope. We also have... Um, programs where they have to do surgery with animals, right? So having that kind of environment. Where you can walk around, like a large animal or something like that. They can walk around and the, the teacher, the professor is, <coughs> sorry, with them. And then you can see from different angles and mm -hmm. some of the things to consider, but even also for therapy, right? Practicing mm -hmm. um, counseling skills in that kind of environment where it feels like you have a real person in front of you where you're aware of their body movement, yeah. they're aware of theirs. Um, because that's what it was like it, for me when I experienced it is we all have headsets, but you can see the other person mm -hmm. as like this shape. Yeah, the What's 2001 kind of oh, space man. odyssey. Imagine if every, yeah. if every gymnasium could also be that. So oh my if, God, if yeah. every gymnasium wasn't just a gymnasium, if now every gymnasium thinking. could sometimes be a gymnasium where they're playing basketball and then suddenly you're in you know a different country exploring and explaining you know how parts of the rainforest work mm -hmm. and and showing the different levels of the trees and being able to zoom in and show things like that yeah. wouldn't that be cool we're totally in holodeck territory star trek holodeck technology time. here time. There, there was one thing that was neat about that experience too was um, there's in the, when they talk about the metaverse, I don't know, we'll have a whole show on that, so we'll get to it. But it's like, you know, the, the virtual world's all connected together into this uh, metaverse. But they, they talk about something called the digital twin. And what that means is like take everything that you see around you right now and just make a digital copy of it. So even if I put my headset on, I'm still going to see the same thing. And then I can superimpose, 
you know, all kinds of cool stuff on it. And so in this exhibit that we saw in Montreal, they did that a tiny little bit. And when at one point there were some chairs that you had to go and sit in. So you can only see the chairs in virtual reality. So you had to trust that there was actually a chair there. And, and I know we discussed afterwards that it, it was a teaching environment. You could have this kind of digital twin, or if it was like a, say a hospital room in your virtual environment, but there's actual objects that you can pick up and move around. And um, there could be even uh, mannequins and stuff that you work on, but in virtual reality, you see it as a real person rather than a mannequin. That, that reminds me entirely of the movie Free Guy where oh, he yeah. puts the glasses on yes. and it's an entirely different world and you take the glasses off and it's his regular world and yep. then it's a completely different world. So when you said digital twin and you can like put stuff on top of it, I was like, oh my God, a free guy. We're so close to that. <laughs> There's going to be people walking down the street with, with these kind of goggles on, I guarantee it. <laughs> Well, I think we have come to the end of our episode, and so we must ask our guest, could you please tell our subscribers to like and subscribe and comment below? Yes, please um, follow the link to comment and subscribe to the channel. It's a great opportunity to learn more about what we're doing here at Georgian College and what's available um, with regards to virtual reality. Well, thank you so much, Isabel. This has been really great. Um, part one of our VR, three-part VR series. And our first in-person. Oh my God, we forgot to say that right at the very beginning. This is our first in-person uh, film shoot for the collab since this COVID thing hit us yes. hard. So thank you for tuning in and we will see you soon. Bye. 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 Bye.